Welcome back to another Fireside Chat. This is Fireside Chat 38. And for this Fireside Chat, uh, because we had such a good discussion in the previous one about legacy systems and the, the challenges of dealing with that, the pain points and how to address them and all the challenges, we said, well, why don't we continue? Because this is a uh, very large topic and there is still tons of stuff for us to talk about. So, um, but before we start, as always, like uh, we are now doing those uh, fireside chat lives. If you want to be notified, please subscribe to the channel, hit the, the, the bell thing so that you are notified when we are live, put the, the thumbs up and also uh, join the conversation as well. So we would love to have you uh, in the live chat adding your comments, asking us questions, because it's really making uh, those conversations far more enjoyable uh, with all your contributions. So uh, back to the main topic, uh, legacy systems, the challenges in dealing with that. And I think that what we could do in this episode is there are many things that we can talk about uh, legacy systems. But one of the key things that we talk about is modernizing them is evolving them because we don't want them to remain legacy and we are taking the perspective that the systems that we're talking about are still core systems they are still strategic systems for the companies not something that is forgotten somewhere in the in the corner no we are talking about strategic systems that grew uh over time just in uh in very, very wild way let's say uh built by many different people over time but they are still core. So, which means that evolving those systems bring us a lot of challenges. So guys, so with this in mind, how do, where do we start from? If we want to evolve those systems, what would be a good place to start? I think the first thing is not to make it worse, right? So you have to stop the rot before you start making it better. And there are many ways of doing that, uh, and we can discuss that. I think that's probably a fireside chat on its own. But there are a bunch of things that we talk about. One is that to have have an idea of where you are heading so that you're, you, you can start understanding when, for example, you're adding the next feature. You're not refactoring. You don't, you're not doing anything to make, make the thing better. You're just adding the next feature. But it's worth understanding what are the practices, what are the things that you do that make it worse and what are the things that might, may make it better or at least not make it worse, right? So at the very least, you leave the thing as it was, you can make it better, but kind of the Boy Scout rule. And there's a bunch of things. One is having a vision for where the thing should be. So even when you are adding that the changes in 10 different places, but you should know where it, how it should where it should be and maybe even try to create those seams or, you know, try to kind of move the new feature in the place that where it should be or create the new feature in the place they should be. There are many other things like architectural principles, like component boundaries, you know, start introducing, going through things from a, you know, there are some basic things that, you know, uh, top level abstractions should, uh, should actually connect to bottom uh, uh, or should not uh, connect to the abstractions below them. So they should be, you should be ha having dependencies at the similar architectural layers, for example. You know, that often happens where a top level abstraction knows a detail of a different abstraction 
and those kind of things can you know create spaghetti code as well so there's many of these basic principles of software design that you start keeping bringing in mind because actually those are the things that made it worse in the first place so a great good idea of what the boundaries you of mean the, the system the lack be. of those no the, yeah the exactly. lack of those is what made the it lack worse. of those exactly and so so it's a case of like understanding these basic principles and i'm not talking about solid i'm not talking about other principles is the principles around design and architecture that you agree with the rest of the team create awareness create awareness of the boundaries and make sure that you kind of start moving things in the right place when you're building new stuff right you don't have to move the old stuff but the new stuff should be in the right place and should be done the, uh, better than than the old stuff and and that's how you kind of start start creating something better or, or stopping the rot and that's when you you know after that once you've got that kind of well established you start moving towards more of a um, refactoring mindset right Yeah. Well, you what do you think of that? Well, I, I I agree. I would say uh, you need to start with alignment, which is, you know, first step would be for me that no, not not just alignment of where you want to go, but where the system is today, which is something that for legacy systems it can be quite difficult sometimes. Yeah, because it because of the way it has grown. Um, I think we mentioned this last time. No, the specification of what the system does may not be something that one person holds in its head. No, that person that you can go and ask the question to, and they will be able to answer everything. Now, you you'll need to do a lot of, you know, spelunking, right? And 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 our, uh, what, what was it called? The the uh, ah archaeology. No, like code archaeology. And sometimes you'll find stuff that. Uh, is not used, but it's still there, and nobody changes it. Nobody, you know, like because you don't know. Maybe it's used, but it's it, you have no way of of telling, right? And that makes it kind of difficult, uh, in a sense. So understanding quite well what state the system is in, how the the how it is connected, what things have, because this is another thing that is very common as well. Uh, the side effects that are not documented or they're not right like the typical it's like oh we put things in a in a table that's fine no it turns out that then there's a cron job that gets triggered uh, you know somewhere else and then that takes something and puts it into the, you didn't, you never knew about this right when you you have no recollection of of this happening because maybe it was done by a different department or, or whatever right And you have all of these hidden dependencies and things that you really need to understand and, and collect. And right, so so doing that first discovery uh, to understand the system, I think is quite key. Once you have that, then you can start prioritizing. I think no, like, as you said before, Mash, like you're not going to solve everything uh, in, in one go, but there are certain things that you may be able to avoid. You know, if you're adding the next feature, if you're And and that trade-off of you know how difficult it is to change versus the return on investment, then you can start saying, okay, so this is relatively easy. Let's let's start doing it, no, and and kind of walk through the list, no, uh, slowly. Yeah, I, I I agree with that as well because like uh, in the context that we we have in our minds in here is like again we are talking about potentially a significantly large system that is core. Mm -hmm. And there, there are multiple teams 
working on it. Probably multiple domains, multiple areas of the business are being satisfied by uh, that, that system. So, which means that this system is going to live for quite a few years, right? So, uh, and I find that it's normally a good investment that sometimes we take a step back and say, look, this is going to be here for years. Or right, let's take a step back. We cannot improve that if we don't know which direction we're going to go. Also, we cannot improve this if we don't agree which improvement should be made. Uh, so, so we're stepping back, creating this mental, uh, not mental, sorry, create this model, uh, as you were saying, because sometimes that, that high-level documentation, I'm not talking about low-level documentation and stuff. We still get that from the code. But creating this current model, this cur so what do we have today? That Because this might not exist as a common picture across everyone involved. So creating the current picture. This is what we have, as you mentioned, Jose. There are probably many things hidden in there, cron jobs or connections with other things and stuff that not everyone might know. And once you have the current picture, we also create the, the future state. I always call, I call it the magical wand, right? So if you could have a magical wand that could just say, bling, and fix all our problems, how that would look like? How would the system look like? How would the teams look like? So creating that, that picture, again, at a very high level, because this serves as a direction to everyone. A vision, basically. Exactly, yeah. a vision. At, at high level, we're not talking about low-level details. We're not talking about classes. We're not talking about details of each person. And No, very, very high level. Because once you have where we are and where we would like to be, and that vision is shared, that's when we start now acting. And, and that's what Mesh said, for example, making our problem making sure that we don't make our problem bigger. There are multiple aspects to it. One is the actual, okay, like let's start whatever we do moving forward. Let's see if we start moving towards that direction that we want, that vision. And that quite often is not a straight line. It might, we might be go sideways or stuff, but we are still going in that overall in that direction. But there is a matter of skills as well. Uh, sometimes people are just, they just need some more skills because they are dealing with technologies that they don't master and things like that. Even like culturally as well, uh, not some a few members might not subscribe to the agreements that, that Mesh was discussing. For example, uh, it's not only about the, the design of the code, but it's the ways of working as well. Because the ways that teams work and how they agree in, in collab the, the collaboration agreement impacts the end result of the code. So making sure that the new hires, for example, as you are hiring new people, you are hiring people with the, the mindset that you would like to have moving forward. Because otherwise, it's already difficult to convince some people to, to work in a slightly different way. And so we certainly don't want to do that for the new joiners. The new joiners should be, they should contribute to the change and not be another people that we need to be convincing of the change. So there are multiple aspects uh, in there, right? So it's, what else? It's also, I... also the knowledge, right? It's, you know, that um, you, you, your current practices got you in the in that place in the first place, right? So even knowledge of good software design, you know, it's talk about skills and, you know, practices and so on. But the knowledge of what makes good software design and agreeing on that at the micro level as well as the macro level. 
also also helps. There's a there's an interesting question. I think it takes us back, and maybe we wanna go back and then move forward. Yeah, move forward from yeah. from Omar Sofian. Like, uh, what characteristics uh, distinguish that a system is legacy? This is this is a quite an interesting one. I, uh, well, wh one thing is the word legacy actually is uh, only means a bad thing in software. Where legacy actually means, uh, you know, that this is something when you have legacy, something that's continuing to do good, right? It's valuable. It continues to be valuable. Are they that's about what... to die? Are they about to die? This is the legacy. legacy. That you want exactly. exactly. Like, you can exist the next generation. Exactly. So, so, you know, when you say, I want to leave a legacy, you don't mean I'm going to leave a shit piece of code. What you mean is you're going to leave something that me. has value. Right? <laughs> but but and they, they, there's an, the reason I actually go to the name, meaning of the word is because uh, actually it, it, it goes very nicely with the systems that are strategic. They are legacy, right? But I, I guess what you mean is why do we want to refactor those systems? Why do we want to change them or change their structure or even replace them? And the reason being, it's quite simple. They are difficult to change or they're not safe to change. And that's as, as good as, you know? And uh, so the, uh, any other definition is just gonna add detail to that. Yeah, so I, I agree. It, it, it's just like this, exactly how I would, I would say as well, it is when change is difficult to be made and doesn't satisfy uh, the business aspirations. So we cannot move fast enough, for example. So because it's not safe, because it's difficult, it's taxing, we need to align a lot of people. So there is so much uh, that needs to be done in order to make simple change. So uh, ultimately, it comes down to it. Like, can we evolve the system at the speed that is needed by the business? For Or another way of thinking, is the development teams being a bottleneck for the evolution of the business? Yeah. Right. So, so if you think about that in this way, so the the, the 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 development team should should not be a big bottleneck. It will always be because we need to build things. It will always have some sort of a bottleneck, but it cannot be too small, too narrow, right? So, so that is that. Oh God, like Mohammed said. Oh, I hear safe. No, we are not talking about. <laughs> no, but that's a good one, Mohammed. That's so fine. No, so, but uh, uh, I, I, I have to say, I wouldn't uh, put it on the development team speed or capacity. I would say, if the software is not able to evolve uh, with the business, or if it's, it's, if it's, um, let's say the. Uh, constraining the evolution of the business, then it's a legacy system because it's not like if if it's able to keep up to date, that's fine from from my perspective. And there's also this definition. I don't remember who's who was it or whatever. Like the code that you just wrote is already legacy kind of thing. Yeah, like the minute yeah, that yeah. it already goes out of it, that's fine. Uh, but it for me, like it's those. it's more of uh, again, it's more of whether it if it can adapt to what the needs are today yeah and then tomorrow and then right like how difficult it is uh that's what makes it legacy for me no yeah there is a uh by the way there is a book recommendation normally we give the book recommendation but there was one in there 
by Mohammed as well. Uh, discover boundaries and find peace. And apparently, is not a soft engineering book. That, that's an interesting title. I'm gonna cert, uh, certainly look for it. Uh, it seems then, like a relationship book. <laughs> it's, more, it's more like help your children and that kind help of your children discover boundaries and find yeah, exactly. peace. <laughs> but, but, but it seems that boundaries are, are a good thing in general, not only in software, right? So establishing mm. some of them. So, but but anyway, so uh, we were talking about the evolving systems and stuff. And uh, okay, so we know that we need to evolve. We know that it's challenging. We know that we need to keep up with business needs and all of stuff. But like, how do we do that? So for example, yeah, we have this bunch of people working on stuff and that is features to be done because this is another problem with, with uh, evolving legacy systems to a better state, right? So you still need to be doing business as usual. You still need to be pushing out some features but they become harder and harder to do so how can we what are the are there different strategies uh where we can keep doing building features but at the same time evolving the system so what are the different approaches and pros and cons in there well you know unless you you unless you kind of completely replacing it and only doing a big bang release uh uh, or a bunch of big bang releases you have to keep doing that right and oh, by the way the i think sorry mesh to interrupt because i think that there was even like a, a a question or a comment uh in there about exactly about that in the the economical side of uh modernizing or or rewriting uh rewriting uh, or, or it's a it's a good mind. question yeah what about when the economical benefit of going through the process of modernization is less than the market size of the product overall um mm -hmm. well i i think the question is that you know what if the investment in modernizing is uh, more expensive than the, the revenue that you would be getting from, from that? Um, well, in that case, you know, if, if this is the case, then, then you, know, don't, you, you don't then have a business. Don't, don't. <laughs> don't change it. Give it a sense. That doesn't make exactly. economical sense. Exactly. But, but the thing is, what we are talking about here is, you know, the context is that, you know, you need to keep going. The system needs to keep evolving. And your system will decline. Your business will decline if 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 your system cannot, as you were saying, Sandro, if the system cannot keep up with the business needs, right? That's the thing that we are talking about. If if your if basically what you're saying is that you're you know changing the system actually costs more than the business itself, then you don't have a business anymore. Sorry to yeah. say, you know, it's like if your business relied on that system and changing the system no longer and business needs the system to change, you're in a catch twenty two or a deadlock or whatever, and then, you know, pack your bags. But there is a case to be made in terms of uh, the, the dichotomy of, uh, not dichotomy, sorry, but like the, 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 the choice of modernizing something or rewriting. Okay, this is another thing that was during... Yeah, I mean, I, I would think of modern, um, rewriting as a strategy in modernizing, right? Mm -hmm. um, and rewriting does not have to be all or nothing. You can rewrite certain parts of it. You can even, like, one of the things that for example, we do is uh, it's not just about understanding the different boundaries in different parts of your system, but it's also about understanding what's what's commodity and what's custom and what's your kind of business um, edge, as it were. And you know, we, we we use worldly mapping, for example, for the, for that purpose as well, where we try to understand what are the things that we can commoditize or we should be commoditizing, right? So you can you can have all those kind of questions, and that goes. Again, it's part of that vision that you create in the beginning. And 
you know, you can even use that to inform your strategy. So, for example, you say, like, I'm going to create that boundary and I'm just going to work in isolating this part so that this part can be uh, uh, changed through uh, by a commodity piece of software. And then within it, you have many, many different strategies. And I, I think, Sandro, that was part of your question is like, how do you keep things going? So there, there are many kind of what you're really looking at is in directions. Right. So so you cre creating kind of like facades so that, you know, you're going through this and, you, you know, you may be duplicating traffic or requests to, to different components or different parts of the system, the new one and the old one. You're only moving one feature to the new one and kind of using a strategy on the top to route to that and and move the rest to to the others. So they're kind of like, you know, there is that strangler pattern that gets mentioned a lot as well, which is basically related to that, you know, you move more and more functionality to the new part, the more strategic part, and you start uh, relying less and less on the bit that you, you know, you should not be. So you kind of say that no more changes will happen in the troubled part and, and more, every new change will be in the new part. So there Nash, are many- sorry to interrupt. I think that your microphone went a bit low, at least for yep, me, I don't something know. Something happened there. Okay. All right, so I'll, yeah, I'll I stop. I think I I was kind of finished with my point, but you can carry on and I'll <laughs> It's see. better now, now it's, it's fixed. No, no, now. it, can, it came back, happened. yeah, it came back. All right, yeah. okay. So, so yeah, so, one... so I was nearly finished anyway. So it was basically more about, there are certain strategies like the Stangler pattern, like a facade, which is kind of closer to a Strangler pattern as well. Things like commodity and custom and those kind of things, having an idea around those. So all those things can help you um, kind of evolve gradually towards, and there's feature flags as well, where you not you don't have to rely on on the thing that you are building, but you still want to test it in production. Parallel runs and you know all sorts of things. There's a lot of different uh, strategies you can use to kind of gradually evolve what you currently have. Yeah, I mean, in the end, with this strategy, is what you're uh, what you're trying to do. I don't know if you know the this concept of the bathtub curve right like the uh, the system over time the the errors let's say that it will generate no and and it follows like like the curve of a bathtub no like at the beginning the system will will give you a bunch of errors because you know you're just starting you're finding out what then it sort of stabilizes and then when it's reaching end of life it will start giving you problems again and a lot of these strategies, what they're trying to do is they're trying to extend that as much as possible, right? Like you're trying to to make it so that when the systems are giving you problems, you you're actually pushing that back either through you know replatforming or you know changing the into a new technology, or whatever, or continuing to evolve it, right? Because that's that's part of the of, of the mechanism. No, but uh, one thing that that we haven't mentioned here because we we talked about. I would say development strategies, no? Like if you want to continue uh, uh, evolving the product, et cetera, but there are others that are less about changing the functionality and more about uh, ensuring that whatever that system is living on will continue to be maintained, right? And, and the simple example that comes to mind is like things that were built to run on, I don't know, Windows XP, right, <laughs> or or something like that, no, or or some particular version of the of a server or whatever, right? Or, uh, the the idea is that again, even if you don't touch it, 
you will still be able to use it because and and get some support around it right or, or get it to fit with everything else that you're trying to bring into your organization as well right so again it's not only about the development uh, side of things i think there's also a, an aspect of the technology or the technological path let's say that you're that you're setting up for the company yourself no and we we find this all the time like we find companies that are now trying to migrate to the cloud yeah uh, but they have their own data centers and they all they have all this stuff that they those are technology choices by the way this is why i'm why i'm bringing this up. those are technology choices right like this is how we're going to be doing things for the next you know 10 years <laughs> yeah? yeah uh and now you're you know five years in or you know seven years in now you need to go somewhere else and there is a cost that of the choices that you made you know seven 10 years ago, no, uh, that you're trying to balance out as well, because everything else is built on top of that. You're not going to be able to just remove it and, you know, do do something else. It's not always that you can just rebuild the thing and, and that's it. You A lot of times you need to, to worry what you have. So those implications that are not just the code that go beyond that, no, and how you set up your organization not only on the on the uh, organization you know structural side of teams or whatever no but also the infrastructure and the the finances are are a factor as well when you're when you're dealing with it no and there is because you mentioned the platform side uh where there is as you said it's not just uh oh, we are gonna go to the clouds you're gonna change almost everything right so how you do business because you have a data center you have a full department looking after all those things and now all of a sudden those things are going to be externalized they're going to be managed in a different way they're going to be monitored in a different way uh everything or or or, or not because the, we see this all the time like, oh we want to go to a cloud and they go and replicate exactly the same thing that they had in their data center they try to replicate that in in the cloud Right. And so, that's not that's not yeah, a, that's a, what so that is. A good first step. It could be a good, good first step. It because could sometimes be a, it, you it, want to do a lift and shift definitely. and then, then evolve. Definitely. But again, it, it it's also telling you it's telling you a couple of things. It's telling you, for instance, that you're now moving from you know I bought some machines into I have the service that I month you know paid monthly through, which on its own, and we've seen this right with with some organizations that. Uh, on its own, it can be a, a cultural clash, no? On, on, you know, simply how I assign money uh, to to my budget or whatever, right? And then there is the uh, the aspect of the mindset uh, behind that, right? Is it is it I'm moving to the class as a as a good first step because then I'm going to continue evolving, or did I finish when I moved? To, you know, when I did the list and shift, did I finish? Now we are. Now we're in the cloud, yay! <laughs> but, but, but again, but, but this the, the, it depends on also on the the maturity of the company, what problems they are trying to to solve as well, uh, because sometimes they are having difficulties in maintaining their data centers, maintaining the their uh, in-house production services or operations team as well, depending on what kind of technology that the, the their systems are on, and just doing a lift and shift. That might solve that kind of problem. It might create others as well, uh, but but again, it really depends on what kind of problems. Because but if they say no, you know what, we are not having any these kind of problems. But strategically thinking, uh, 
we would like to be in a more modern platform in the future, but the house is not on fire. This is another thing that we also need to talk about because as you are evolving those systems, you cannot start thinking about strategic changes when the house is on fire. So sometimes you need to prioritize some tactical work so that making sure that you are not in desperation, that you are having your system is falling apart, uh, is always down or has serious bugs and stuff, because there's no way that you can think strategically if you are in an emergency, if you're only dealing with emergencies. So sometimes a good starting point is making sure that we are stable, whatever it takes, even if yeah. it's a shit solution, even if it's a very tactical thing, but just create that stability so that you can step back and breathe and say, okay, now that things are stable, now we, we, we have some breathing space to think more strategically. Yeah. Right. As you said, the urgent always trumps the important, right? Yeah. So you have to exactly. finish, the, get rid of the urgent before you go to the important parts. Exactly. Um, there, there are some uh, interesting questions um, about uh, legacy ways of thinking or not just the software that becomes legacy. And I remember we often used to talk about, you know, when you're talk, talking about le legacy systems, you also have to talk about legacy people. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this is, but I think we kind of addressed it, but maybe it's worth talking a bit more about, um, you know, the, the whole kind of sy system, not just the software, but what else do we, do we need to kind of look after? Yeah, and this is something that quite, this is not an easy topic to, to, to tackle because a lot of people might feel, uh, well, they, they, they don't like to think about uh, that not everyone is suitable, but, but companies need to think about that. They, we are talking about the future of your company, the future of your systems, and also the happiness of all your employees and stuff. And for that, we need to have people that, that are aligned to this direction of the company that is it's creating this new direction and stuff because you cannot have a full business uh, constrained by maybe a, a small minority that is stuck to their own ways and, and don't want to change. So, yes, yeah, so sometimes to create this evolution, you need to make sure that you have the right people that can drive them, right? And they have the right skills, the right mindset and stuff. And, and, and quite often, uh, businesses will need to make some very difficult decisions, uh, in yeah. terms of their, yeah, I mean, no. it, you know, the, of course, uh, there's a lot of things to do to look at beforehand, which is about education, training, help, understanding what people's fears are, and trying to alleviate those, and all those kind of things come first. But there's always people that are happy with with their, you know, ways of working and their yeah. their kingdoms, right? And sometimes you have to remove those kingdoms, and not everyone would like that. Right. Yeah, mainly when they are in, in, in positions of authority and, and that, that makes it challenging, right? So, but, but this is, this is a, a, a very good point. There I mean, are... Uh, sorry, sorry no, you just, just, uh, it reminds me, I think it was uh, ING when they started with the whole agility uh, a couple of years back. Uh, one of the things that they did was they re-interviewed uh, everyone for their role. Which I think is quite bold, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're, you're, you're it's, like okay, it's so quite just... bold, and it's a bit, it's a bit <laughs> over the top. <laughs> if you read, it's it's for some people, but to yeah. some extent, yeah, it's a exactly. way to make sure that you know that people are in a, in the right seat. 
so to speak. No, like you, you mm-hmm. do you have the right mindset to be at this post? Let's say no. Well, maybe we'll find I, a, a different I mean, post. I it. mean, this is a good topic, Jose, because <laughs> I mean, you know, you'd argue that like those people should know whether those people are, you know, they're part of their organization. They don't have to interview them. They should be a, a bit more of a uh let's say nuanced conversation on who is in the right place and who is not rather than re-interviewing everybody <laughs> but anyway but there, there is there is a way to generalize that in a more uh philosophical way is is like i think that the size of your actions are also they should be according to the size of your problem right mm-hmm. because for example if you end up creating a a, a possible i'm going to re-interview a significant amount of people, you have a systemic problem. You don't have like one or two people in wrong places. You probably have a full department that, or, or a big chunk of the business that might not have the right direction, not might, might be in such a bad state given the, the current view of the company that they are considering a huge change. So now we are not talking about one or two individuals anymore. We are talking about a much serious. So then I would understand that uh, because for me to understand like a, a solution, because this is a solution, right? So uh, in order for me to criticize that, I would need to understand the size of the problem that they're trying to solve. But but in, in principle, I say, wow, this is like a because this will create a, a bad feeling across everyone. For example, if this I had to be nuclear option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. So if I had to be re-interviewed for the job that I've been doing for quite a few years, depending on how I see my job, I would even feel offended by it. Yeah. But, but, but for example... But, but it's not for the same uh, job. Eh? It's like, if, let's say, um, the, the way that I interpret this, we should look at the, at the thing. Like, I'll, I'll try to find the link uh, later and share it. But uh, let's say no. If we're going for ag- agility, no, we're gonna we're going for business agility, etc. There are certain things that maybe when you got hired were not part of your job description or were not things yeah. to to be taking into consideration that they are now they they that now are right mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you know the direction where the company is going or whatever has changed. Mm-hmm. So. No, and it's a way to assess. Okay, do you are you still uh, besides your experience doing the you know the this job for twenty years? Do you still fit with the new vision or not? Right. Yeah. So the company uh, sometimes is more creates about, a new direction, exactly, right? So they it's are more doing... about the new direction than it is about the direction we have before, right? Like you, you, yeah. you know, it's not when you go hired and you you didn't get interviewed every year to be, <laughs> to know if you fit. Yeah. No? But but this this is a good point because like some companies like uh, they push for almost like a revolution, right? So, you know what, like we need to change completely, really change gears and then uh, uh, it justifies uh, certain actions while others go into small evolutions. But but one thing that I learned and I think that is good for people listening to this as well, uh, every time that I hear uh, what some companies do or, or stuff, I I learned to, to, to behave in some specific ways. First of all, uh, I don't think, I always say like this company, when people, I'm not talking about the example you gave, Jose, just to clarify to everyone. I'm, I'm Things like, oh, Spotify does that, or Netflix does that, or whatever other company. As if those companies did that, first of all, across the board. And as if they had stopped 
that experiment and they, okay, that's what they are doing now forever and they never evolved. Uh, and, and also like, so first of all, I always take, okay, if they are doing that, at what level they are doing that? And also what context? I think this is the question that everyone should ask themselves. Every time that we hear a solution, even the ones that we are discussing here, the question is like, what is the context behind that? So when companies decide to go for this approach, what were their current context? What problem they were trying to, to solve? And then you are in a much better place to actually give opinions if that was a good or not, a good solution or not. Uh, but anyway, I would like to go back to the, the, the topics. Uh, we were discussing before uh, ways to evolve the system while keeping business as usual going. Mesh, you mentioned a few technical approaches in terms of feature toggles. Uh, you mentioned even the refactoring, for example, we don't rewrite the, the whole system. Quite often what we do is we take one area, given this new vision that we created, and say, look, maybe you can take this part of the system and move it out and evolve it separately and remove from the rest. Uh, so th those are technical solutions. That is also one thing that I would like to bring. And Jose, you mentioned a few other... Uh, the, you, you also mentioned like a few more structural changes in terms of deployment and uh, production environment and cloud and stuff. There is another element that is how, how do you divide the work? Uh, for example, the, from the develop the delivery teams, right? How, how, how do they divide the work in terms of business as usual and devolution? And here, uh, there are quite a few strategies as well. And making sure that everyone understands, you apply the different strategies according to the context and what you are trying to achieve. So a very common one is the famous 20% that Google has, right? So teams will have 20% 20 of their time dedicated to improvements. So this is a strategy to keep doing business as usual, but sep uh, separate some formal time to work on improvements. Uh, there are uh, sometimes companies that they decide to have a team. Maybe they will, a, a team would dedicate one or two sprints and they will stop the business as usual. They will go for, for a time boxed period uh, to do some improvements and then they go back full time on the uh, features or business as usual. There are other companies that will say they will keep some teams working business. Usually they will create a team that will only work in improvements. So there are multiple strategies and each one of those, those are just a few, have pros and cons, right? So I think that depending on the size of your problem, as we, I was discussing earlier, you need more radical changes. If you want to make much bigger change faster, you cannot do that in 20%. But if your system is in a reasonably okay state and you can do that gradually with a 20% improvements, you can do, but those changes done in 20% of the time, they are always quite small changes. You very rarely, you're gonna get some strategic change, a fundamental change being done partially, right? Uh, in 20% of the time, you normally would need but, but again, like those structures need to be adjusted I, to... I, I, have, a, I have another point of view on that one, sorry, because um, I think a more, I would say more than the size of the... Of course, all, all this is, you know, 
it depends, no? Like, what's your time frame? All that stuff, right? Like, but if your time, I would argue that if your time frame is is quite short, you're not going to go for twenty percent. You're just going to focus on that and and get it done, right? But uh, for me, uh, one thing that uh, would define whether that's a good strategy or not is whether that twenty percent is actually making you progress, or is it just deducing from from the let's say the 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 progress that you make in the opposite direction and what i mean by that is if let's say you have 20% of the time that you're working on fixing but then for you know 80% of the time you're creating new problems you are making yourself <laughs> worse this is another this is a thing no like and it goes to hiring it goes to all of those things that you mentioned before right if you're able to to let's say stun the 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 growth of, of the or the impact of the bad practices yeah or, or whatever and you Im, uh, implement a 20% kind of rule or, or approach, eventually you will get there. But what happens a lot of time is you try to implement that, but the, the growth of the crap is not 20%. Is that all or 80% you're, you know? So we only, like uh, one example of this is we only write tests on that 20%, <laughs> you know? We only uh, do things properly on that 20%. Then you're not gonna <laughs> you're not gonna solve it. You're not gonna solve it, right? And I feel that has a lot more impact. Uh, I think when yeah, when well, there think, is another, there is another point, that pattern, no? yeah, there is another point about the twenty percent, right? You know, like we kind of think look at things very uh, simplistically. That oh, you know what? I'm gonna work one day on things to make better and four days on new features. It doesn't work like that, right? Normally, what happens is that you've you've uh, uh, underestimated the task, and you're gonna use that twenty percent to get back on track, or you're you know you're constantly having to um, to switch, right? So so you started something as you were saying, you you only do some small things, but even small thing, you know, a day is not that long, right? You started something. Now you're gonna have to put it down because you're gonna start working on features for the next four four uh, days, weekend. You come back on the Monday or I don't know the the Friday that you come back to that and you've totally forgotten what it was really about. You try to gain the context back. A few hours are gone again. You know, so it's not exactly there is this whole context switching. There's so many other factors that play into it. It never works as cleanly as you think. So. This 20% is kind of, you kind of, in a often kidding yourself that you have that time when you may not have it. Uh, I, I agree. This is what I was saying. Like, uh, if you are able to make an improvement, and, and we, I, I think that I would change even the perspective. I, I was not talking about an individual developer. I'll talk about a team with that approach, right? So I think that... Uh, they will never make any significant improvements. What they can do in that strange percent is polishing, like a small refactoring. Oh, do you know, this class is way too big. Maybe there is some unit tests that are not there or some of the uh, uh, one or two tests are, are running a bit slow. So I'm going to try to speed up. Those are very minor things. Of course, there are need, things that needs to be done. But quite often, they could be part of another task instead of being separate uh, in a way. The... 
But what I see in those 20%, uh, you should be able to make a case for it because ultimately, although it's 20%, it's still work. You cannot just like take 20% of the time to do whatever you want, right? So, or, or say, hey, I will work on this improvement that only you see value on it. But then there yeah. is a question here by Marabesi. It's like, what metrics should you to watch to see that progress? When you are working such a more like, oh, I just do 20% like one day every week. It's very difficult to measure anything because what you are doing will not cause a big impact at all. So, or if it does, it's so minor. You might have say, hey, now this class in here that I refactor has some better quality metrics on Sonar that is very low level. Or this test in here is running a little bit faster. But you are not like you're not gonna migrate to the cloud or re-architect the system or split a service that would create a much bigger impact because you can allow teams to work independently now. Uh, or you have a more stable part of your business or things like that. You cannot do that in 20%. I'm more, I'm more of an advocate that, well, for me quite often when I see this 20% is more to keep some developers happy than to actually have some problem business. Or they do what business uh, Google does, that is experiments. They use that to say, hey, do some experiments, do some, some, some innovation or whatever. And even to that level, if you see the ratio of what came out of that is is not. I, I I wonder if it is is it is good. So I'm more of an advocate and say, you know what? If there is something to be improved, what is the case for it? And let's dedicate proper time to make that change. Yeah, uh, there there is another aspect of the twenty percent, and it is a, related to how we build habits and all of that stuff, right? Like if you, it, it has more impact to do, I don't know, 20 minutes every day of, you know, you want to learn the guitar or you want to, you, know, you practice 20 minutes every day than to practice one full hour once a week, right? Because you're building the skill and you're, you know, you're, you're, a, well, you, you're, you're absorbing that, no, into, into your behavior. And eventually, you know, it will be easier. No, in the case of something like you know refactoring or whatever, if you just take one day a week and you refactor that day a week. Why don't you do a little bit every every day? Eventually, you'll have that at your disposal to do it whenever you need it. No, not just when you have that twenty percent. So there, especially when there is a behavioral change and skill set and mindset change, the whole we're gonna do it. 20%, I don't think it will it will have the impact that you want, right? You know, because you know, it requires, you know, it's the drop that needs to yeah. be going all and it the should time, be, right? It should be part of your, your practice and your organization should be aligned. And this is one of the other reasons that 20% is actually can be an anti-pattern in some ways because sometimes they call it the 20% tax that they, they take on the thing. And uh, uh, and you know what, what that tells me? It's like the business is not at all aligned with the the important work that needs to happen to to make strategic systems better and better for the, for the for the next bit of change that is coming in so what you you're doing is you're not able to align that as an organization so you kind of almost holding the business to hostage that we need to take that 20% tax right and this in effect is a dysfunction in the organization because you are one organization why are, are uh, to one, why does one organization have such a bad idea about making systems better or one part of the organization than the other part, right? So, 
So there is a big element here on making sure that everyone understands the value and you yourself understand that the value of the changes that you are making and make that a full organization's decision and put some real uh, investment behind it rather than this kind of stealth time that you're taking out, which is not strategic. I agree 100%. And this go like uh, Javier Chacan is asking, could we say that 20% is more suitable for tactical change? You could say that in terms of, uh, yeah, you're probably not going to make anything big going on in there. But I think that the most fundamental thing was is exactly what Mesh just said. Because like when you have this, uh, how can I say, artificial division of 80, 20 or 70, 30 or whatever number that is, which means is that there is 20% of work being done that some people, some key stakeholders don't even care about or don't agree. And you manage to co convince them because for whatever argument used, it would be a much healthier uh, uh, conversation as Mesh was saying is like, say, look, we are gonna list everything that is important here. And yes, we need to get some features out, some features out, but there are loads of things that are slowing us down or the whole value stream has, has bottlenecks that need to be removed, can be how fast we can run our automated tests or, or the, the challenges of having parallelizing work across teams because of technical dependencies or lack of infrastructure or, or whatever else. And those things would be, instead of having artificial separation because the business probably would not even understand what's being done in 20%, we say, no, this is everything that needs to be done. And then we prioritize accordingly. And then you have formal time with the skilled people or, or whoever needs to work on that. And for me, that would be my preferred way of running that instead of those things. So, so uh, just, just yeah. To go back a bit on the, any ideas, which metrics to watch, uh, to see. Uh, Mesh, your microphone you, you, went, went low yeah, again. Low again, yeah. Okay. Can you hear me all right still, or is it bad? So, so it's when you get closer i don't know if you're using a different microphone that you might be thinking or but i don't know uh okay um can you hear me all right now or yes uh, if you yeah, yeah where you are right. it's better okay cool i think it's just a pickup on the mic i just need to speak closer right. to the mic right so i i just wanted to go back on the metrics because i think that's an important question i know you you mentioned it the passing for for, for another point, but going back to Marabasi's question around the metrics, there there are and we, there are certain metrics that we should be looking at. Uh, of course, there's about the value and everything else. We talk about the business value, but you know, the the we often talk about these four key metrics, and they I think they are important to discuss here as well because they lead to ease of change and with the, the fact that we describe easy, easier and safer change. And the fact that we describe legacy systems as systems that are not easy and safe to change. So I think there is a very good alignment between the four key metrics. I know they're fashionable and everyone talks about them, but they are actually good quality indicators towards whether you, your system is uh, fit for purpose for your business, right? And and they, they are, there's a lot of material on them. Um, you know, they kind of uh, lead, lead time, uh, deployment frequency. There is the, help me out here, <laughs> Jose. There's the mean time to recover. And yeah, mean time to return and change failure rate. Change failure rate, exactly. So if you look at those four, that's a good start. By the way, they're not the only four. There's 
there's other metrics as well and some might be very uh, close to your context as well but don't look at look at kind of more things around what makes change easier even these are proxy metrics to the value but i think as soon as you start talking about sonar and those kind of things they are even at the next level you know they kind of almost bets that you are making for these metrics to be better which in itself is a bet for the real business value to be better or real change to happen quicker and safer so so the, but they are definitely worth looking into yeah maravis is now asking me to plug in the the repo that we have the application that we're building that uh, calculates the metric out of you know, takes a bunch of data sources and calculates the metrics for you. Uh, oh, but yeah. All right. And it's called what? Sh Sh Shadow on. <laughs> Is that what no, it's no, called? No, 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 that's the, that's my uh, GitHub uh, ID. No, oh, uh, okay. it's oh, called right. Omnimetric. The, the, the price is called Omnimetric. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, cool. So, so yeah, so the metrics, uh, they are, they are important when it comes to that. So, so the problem is that again, and we talked about metrics in another episode, so maybe you should take that, uh, yeah. that session out because we went, we went on and on about them. Yeah. Uh, but there's <laughs> things that are not that easy to, to measure in, in this case, no? Yeah, there are just, just I don't want to go into the, the whole metrics. First of all, we are already getting towards the end of our time. And also we had an episode, but just to, to clarify, like uh, there are, there is also a difference between, there are different types of metrics as well. And when you are talking about the technical metrics, uh, sometimes the, the way that you can measure that is slightly different. But for some business metrics are, are much hard, well, not much harder, sorry. But they are normally, you can only test some, have some business metrics after the fact. So for example, you need to release a feature to production, but wait for that feature to be in production for quite a while, maybe months sometimes to see if it had the impact. So, so certain features you can, uh, certain metrics, you can have the, the results straight away as the thing changes, that the technical change or you release something or whatever. And other metrics you, you need to wait time that this thing is out to collect the, the, the outcome and then uh, measure. So I was just trying to clarify because like uh, some, uh, there was a question about uh, the metrics on the vision. And I just wanted to make a distinction between a technical vision and a business vision because you will get the feedback loop is different from the technical and from the business. So just to clarify that. Uh, so we are running out of time. So I, I, I was trying not to get like more, maybe going to... Uh, a very big topic, but it's difficult because every topic seems to be big. <laughs> so um, how do you, maybe it's still in the same thread. We talked about creating a vision. We talked about maybe teams dividing their time uh, in, in how they improve things. How do we provide alignment across teams? I know that might be another big one, but, but it's, it's still close to what we've it's been discussing. It's a very about. big one. <laughs> it's yeah. a very big one. But we mentioned some of those things in previous episode, even when we mentioned the team's topology as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But when we talked uh, about architecture as well. Yeah, on the architecture yeah. episode, we mentioned some of those things. It's it's such a big, because actually it's it could be in itself maybe worth discussing as a separate, because the reason I, I'll tell you one thing, like alignment is, you know, you can talk about it at many different perspectives and different levels of detail. 
right? Because there is alignment of the product itself, the purpose behind it and so on, you know, what, what it's trying to achieve. There is the alignment on the technology. There's alignments on the practices, on the architecture vision. Uh, there is there is even alignment around which, you know, a, like even even how we do it, like, you know, you, you were talking about 80, 20% or how we align with the business to actually help us do these things. The the evolutionary strategy to take from where you are to where you need to be. So there's a lot of different things, I guess, that you need to. And of course, then there is the whole idea of how you split the work, you know, like, you know, that's where things like team topologies and those kind of things come in as well. How do you make sure that the teams are cohesive and loosely coupled and all that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a big, it's a big question, I guess, around the alignment. What, what, I guess, which perspective you want to take in the last few uh, minutes? I think that, like, uh, given what we've discussed in previous episodes, we can talk about, like, not making our problem bigger uh, is what we discussed in this episode. Maybe if we take it from that perspective. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. And, I, I mean, I, I know for one of our clients, for example, we did this, which was um, we talked about some uh, architectural um, principles. And I think we came up about 14. And some of them are mentioned earlier on in the talk as well. It's like there are certain architectural things that, you know, one is alignment, uh, like kind of have a vision and say, okay, we're going to stick to that vision. That could be one, one of the principles, right? New code must not exist outside these boundaries, even if existing code exists there, right? That could be a principle. The other one, as I was talking about, like, you know, communication at the same level of abstractions or uh, talk to interfaces, you know, when you're talking to architectural boundaries and, you know, and there's a bunch of things that you can start or have coverage in the area that you are ch changing, you know, like there are, so you kind of start even on the database uh, ownership and that kind of stuff, you know, that, you know, like you decide what data is owned by which component and only have those components actually modifying or accessing that data right so so you can start creating these technical principles that everyone is in agreement with because they're co-created and everyone is well educated on so that even when reviews happen or people are pairing and that kind of thing that you know these principles are being enforced and they're constantly being kind of looked at you know and and the code is evaluated against them and how adherent it is to those things that we've agreed on right so that's one way of creating that technical alignment around how your systems should be behaving I've, I've actually run um uh, in discoveries an exercise where we define first what kind of strategic goals we want to accomplish and you know just getting that alignment is is already a good like what is it that we're trying to do here right like what we want the system to be easily maintainable by people external to the organization or we want you know like it really depends on, on what you want to and then from there you talk about what kind of architectural principles would allow you to reach those goals and you can connect them yeah like you know the the well documented, blah blah, etc. And then, uh, and then you have certain design and delivery practices. Like, what is it that you're going to be doing? Like CI/CD, blah blah, TDD, like like the the specific agreements, no, that you may want to have that are not, you know, let's keep everything within a specific abstraction or like, no, you know what I mean. So that allows people to connect what 
you know, you're being asked to do, right, with what we're trying to accomplish and have a conversation of what is the best way to, to reach uh, those goals as well. And you document it, right? You're not only having the conversation, but you're documenting that conversation uh, as you go along. And you can go back and revisit and, you know, you adapt, et cetera. Um, so I, I think that's that's one important part around that alignment. No? So making it visible and connecting it to what you're trying to accomplish and not just go and say, now from now on, you know, everyone, you know, everything you touch needs to be covered by this. Oh, hey, that's great. And it may be working through the, but if I don't, I'm not able to buy uh, in on it. No, if I'm not able to see what it is that we're trying to accomplish, it, it, it will defeat the purpose as well. So bringing people along in that journey is a big step into creating that alignment. And Totally. So, okay. So any final thoughts? Anyone also in the live chat? Any any final comments or, or among ourselves here? So in terms of the challenges of evolving uh, legacy systems. Any yeah, the, the, there's one thing that we didn't discuss, which is that sometimes you may end up in situations where you have two systems, the, the new one and the old one coexisting. And uh, the old one, because of business as usual, will continue to evolve and you, you're constantly trying to catch up. No, like if you're moving things to one side or the other, no, that, that's another uh that's another thing that is quite a challenging. If you're, if at some point you just don't move to the new system and continue evolving in the new system, so that you know, and to, so you can complete the migration. It's it's a little bit like the twenty eighty percent thing that I was mentioning before. But you know, you keep adding yeah, stuff to the thing. A moving you're target. To yeah. You're never gonna replace yeah. it. <laughs> so, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely definitely worth discussing in another talk maybe part three <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that yeah so so if people want us to discuss because there's so much in here for us that uh we 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 haven't touched upon yet so that is the the the, the, the database side the database because we we quite often talk about refactoring code and re-architecture and microservices right you have like a monolithic database as well right so how do we deal with that or how when you are modernizing systems it's okay to modernize uh, systems within the same technology stack, but while what happens when you are moving across technology stack? So, so that brings up. And what about stack. modernizing systems of systems, right? Because sometimes mm -hmm. the systems that are in place don't actually reflect how the business processes work at a organizational level, and systems of systems need to to change mm -hmm. their boundaries yeah. and change. How do you do that? So, so there are there are many things to discuss. So if you are watching this episode, so uh, let us know if you would like us to continue discussing this topic because as you there are far more for us to talk about. Uh, otherwise, if you would rather us to, to tackle a different topic, leave your suggestions as well. And so I think that it's time for us to, to wrap up. And so thanks, thank you very much for everyone. Don't forget to subscribe to uh to the channel uh like so that you are uh, notified when we are live again yes javier sakana is saying like yeah there is conway's law as well so there are tons of stuff for us to talk about here backwards compatibility all sorts so if you want us to keep in that direction and the reverse conway's maneuver <laughs> the reverse conway's maneuver that you can talk about as well excellent thank you very much everyone and i hope to see you next time thank you thank you all